Are you a writer or coach? Do you dream of building a successful online business? Are you tired of hearing the gurus tell you that you need a big launch or a complicated funnel software? Whether you're struggling with self-doubt, imposter syndrome, or just feeling overwhelmed by too many choices, I can help. Hi, I'm Jonathan Milligan, author of Your Message Matters, and I recently put together a free on-demand video training called How to Build an Online Business as a Writer or Coach the Low-Tech Way. Inside, you'll discover the low-tech system that 30 x my online business. Just go to freetrainingvideo.net to get started. Again, that's freetrainingvideo.net. Hello and welcome to the Blogging Your Passion podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Milligan, and I've got a great guest for us today. That's right, we have Stu McLaren with us today. And we're going to talk about a hot topic, and that's all about membership sites. People love to hear, at least the audience around Blogging Your Passion, love to hear about creating and starting and launching membership sites. I've seen several of you uh, launch very successful membership sites, and we're going to talk about this very important topic today. If you don't know Stu, let me just give you a quick introduction. Stu McLaren is behind the flagship product, Wishlist Member. That is actually the very first membership site plugin that we used here at Blogging Your Passion back in 2011. Well, the Wishlist Member has gone on to power more than 42,000 online membership sites worldwide. If that's not enough, Stu also is the co-founder with Michael Hyatt at Platform University, where they have well over 2,000 monthly members. And Stu's an entrepreneur. He's constantly uh, opening up and starting new businesses. I also love the uh, charity work that he does through the World Teacher Aid. And we're just going to have a fun time helping you kind of think through membership sites, whether it's launching one, how to manage one, how to track how you're doing, and so much more. So, hey, Stu, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jonathan, and uh, I'm excited to be here with you. Well, I am excited for uh, the opportunity to, to hear you kind of speak on membership sites and I know productivity hacks or even how to get more done in less time. Those are things that I've often seen from you that you're passionate about, and so I'm excited just to kind of dive into that to that topic and and just kind of see if we can provide some tips to people out there who are either trying to get their mind around a membership site and or just trying to get stuff done. Yeah, well, those are all things that are in my wheelhouse, and so uh, it's going to be fun. Absolutely. Well, I just say this: I was at the platform conference uh, back in November, and your presentation got me thinking in a lot of different ways, just on you know making an impact in general, and uh, also um, some of your productivity tips and insights was great. So I appreciate that. Awesome. Well, thanks, buddy. That means a lot. So let me start with membership sites, and then we'll start a little bit later. We'll talk about some productivity tips. But why do you think? Of course, when done correctly, the membership site model works so well, either for the actual membership site owner or for the customer. Why do you think that model works well? Well, let's talk about it from the owner's perspective first, and then we'll tackle the customer's perspective. So a couple, two and a half years ago, I was asked to connect with Michael Hyatt. 
Um, Michael is a New York Times bestselling author, uh, well-renowned speaker, and but yet somebody saw a presentation I gave at a conference, and they came up to me afterwards, and they said, you know what, you really, uh, I need to connect you with Michael Hyatt, and that person was Andy Tropp. And I said, okay. I said, well, how come? And he said, man, I just know that he could really benefit from what you had to share at, during this presentation. And I was talking about membership sites. And so I, re I remember vividly, Michael and I met. And it was right after a speaking engagement. So he was speaking in front of uh, over 1,000 people. Um, he had signed like hundreds and hundreds of books. He was just exhausted. And so at the end of this day, we meet. And I just asked him one simple question. I said, what's the biggest challenge you have in your business? And he said, you know what, Stu? He's like, I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunities that I have. He's like, you know, I've just finished writing a New York Times bestselling book. I'm an in-demand speaker. I'm speaking 40 to 50 times a year. Uh, my blog just continues to grow, and the audience that, uh, you know, continues to read it or enjoying my content. He's like, but I'm tired. I'm just really tired. And when you look at it and you boil it down to what's causing him to be tired, he was making his living primarily through speaking and blogging, both of which required a ton of his time. So when he was speaking, one speaking engagement would be essentially three days, a day to fly out there, a day to speak, and a day to fly back. And so when he's doing 40 to 50 speaking engagements a year, that's, that's a lot of time away from his family. And so at the end of the day, he was tired. He just wanted to be home with the grandkids and with his beautiful wife, Gail. And so um, we began talking about a membership site primarily for three reasons. Number one, stability. So the reason a membership site is so great for an owner is because it provides tremendous stability. With most products and services that you see being sold in the world, people make a sale and then they just hope that a customer is going to come back and either buy more from them or that they hope that they're going to be able to find new customers to be able to buy from them. With a membership site, the great news is once you make a sale, as long as you take care of people and you provide and, uh, for them and serve their needs, they'll continue to pay month in and month out. And so that provides a tremendous amount of stability. So what happens is that rather than always chasing new customers and having to find new people, if you just take care of the people that you have already sold to, your business will continue to grow. So it's, it provides tremendous stability. The second main reason is profitability. So instead of always, again, finding having to find new customers, every new customer you find, it just keeps stacking and stacking. And so you, it's not like a one-time transaction. It's uh, the lifetime value of a customer is way more profitable. So to give you some ex uh, examples, you know, with Michael Hyatt's site that we ended up forming together in a, a partnership and we built a site called Platform University, we just crunched our numbers recently and the uh, average person stays part of our membership site for 23 and a half months. So the lifetime value of a customer is over $700 for us. And so it's tremendously profitable. Once somebody is in the door, again, as long as we do our job, we take care of them and we serve them and we help them get to the next level in, in their particular career path, then we're uh, going to have a profitable situation on our hands. And that's exactly it. So the second reason is profitability. And then the third reason is leverage. So from an owner's perspective, in Michael's case, the way that he was providing value was by speaking. 
Now, there's some leverage because he's not speaking one-on-one. He was speaking to an audience, so he's able to serve a group of people. But it still required him schlepping himself all over the country in order to be in front of those people. With a membership site, it's an extension of himself. He's able to leverage his time, his energy, and his creative output in such a way that he is able to reach thousands and thousands of people. And in fact, the more people that he reaches, it doesn't necessarily require any more of his time. And so there's tremendous leverage there. So from an owner's perspective, there's three great reasons, stability, profitability, and leverage. Now, from a customer's perspective, the benefit is that membership sites quite often are a very affordable way to have access to information and somebody's insights that they never otherwise would have access to. So in the case of Michael, you know, with his membership site, he takes people literally behind the scenes of his business, showing them exactly the numbers, uh, showing them how he's doing certain things. People would never normally have that kind of access and would never normally have that kind of opportunity to learn from him. So from a customer's perspective, it's a tremendously affordable way to be able to learn and to be able to apply that to one's own career and life and so forth. So there's tremendous benefits both for the customer and for the owner. Awesome. I love that. Stability and you said profitability and also uh, leverage. And those, I mean, those are awesome reasons. I know for me, I've had my membership site running now for a couple of years and, and I love all of those benefits, not only just for me personally, but I've seen them benefit the, uh, the customer as well. I actually got to go to dinner last night with somebody who he joined the very first month of my membership site. He's been part of it for two years and he, he was trying to offer to pay me dinner. I'm like, I want to buy you dinner. I mean, mm. you um, have been a part of this. Why, what's kept you in? And for all those same reasons that you just talked about. Um, and the other thing is it's great for staying in the know of what's working now uh, mm. in your topic because it's always new, fresh, relevant content that's, uh, that I think that's what I enjoy. And I know I'm personally a member inside Platform U, and I've actually been a member since his very first launch of opening it up. So um, it's been a terrific experience for me as well. So awesome. Yeah. Well, you bring up one other good point too there, Jonathan, and that is the other side benefit for the customer is that the more money a site owner makes from the membership, the more money they have to be able to invest back into Mm -hmm. the membership. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important distinction for anybody who's blogging or providing content for free. Because oftentimes I hear, well, why would I want to charge for my content when I'm trying to reach as many people as possible? Well, the fact of the matter is, if you are not charging for your content, then you're having, you have a need to earn money some way else. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to pay your bills. And so that's taking your time and attention away from the very thing that you're trying to do, which is serve a particular audience. With a membership site, when you're getting compensated for it, now you can invest all of your attention, all of your energy into serving that audience because you are not being distracted about having to earn money elsewhere. So it's also a benefit both for the product owner but also for the audience because when the site is making money and generating money, they can invest that back into Uh, serving that particular audience either with higher production or just by being able to give it it, their full attention. I love that. And we're just so aligned with that because I know that's been something that I've been passionate about myself 
And whenever I hear somebody say they want a membership site for passive income, I try to get them to rephrase that into recurring income because it's not passive, nor should it be necessarily. It's stability in its income, but and it's a recurring income, which is nice. But if you're going to make it passive, that's where you're going to eventually lose your audience because you're not actively involved in either creating content on a regular basis or trying to improve this level of service that you're providing. So that's a great point. Very cool. Um, so what are some biggest what are some of the biggest challenges you, you've seen that you know entrepreneurs or bloggers that want to start their membership site? What's stopping them from getting it launched? Well, I think there's a number of things that stop people. You know, um, one, I think sometimes people can overwhelm themselves by trying to be too perfect. And here's the, the good news about a membership site. Once you go live, you can make changes very easily. So it is not like a published book, per se, where once the printing press, you know, chucks out all those books and they're all on the bookshelves and you find a mistake, you can't really like immediately replace all those books. You know, the mistake kind of lives on until the end of time. But with a membership site, it's a living, breathing organism. You can make changes. You're never set in stone. So, you know, in the case of Michael's site, we've made all kinds of changes that have happened just as the site and the community has evolved. And that's the good news is that it can always be changed. But I think that's also something that prevents people from actually implementing a site is they try to get it too perfect and they get they overwhelm themselves. And so you don't have to get it right, you just have to get it going. So trying to be too perfect would be number one. Number two is trying to provide too much content. That's a huge mistake I see over and over again. The reason it's a mistake is it overwhelms the, the site owner, you know, trying to running on this content treadmill trying to keep up. But the other thing is that it also overwhelms your members. And if they get overwhelmed, they're likely to cancel. So it's actually a benefit when you provide less and provide more focus in terms of using the content, consuming it, and implementing it versus just giving them a whole bunch of stuff. So people, uh, number one, try to get it too perfect. Number two, provide too much content. And then I would say there's two other mistakes that I see people make when it comes to membership sites. Number one is just having too much of a focus on new members versus taking care of your existing members. I can't tell you enough, Jonathan, how often I see people making this mistake. In fact, this week, you know, I was talking to a new consulting client who I'm going to be helping, and one of the they've got a great site. They've got just over a thousand members. They've been operating for over two years. Uh, very profitable. You know, they're um, like I said, just over a thousand members at thirty dollars a month. But here's the challenge they face. They are losing 18 to 20% of their membership every month. So they have a churn rate of 18 to 20%. That's a lot, and that's a lot of work. So they've always got to focus on, you know, they're always focused on getting new members in. And with some simple tweaks, if they can just plug that hole and prevent um, the actual loss of members, their site would become even more profitable. And so, for as an example, you know, our retention rate or our churn rate, um, we lose about four percent of our members every month. So it's a big difference in terms of eighteen to twenty versus four. And so the key here is that focus on taking care of your existing members. If you do that, 
the site will be much more successful than it will be if you're always focused on getting new members. And then the fourth and final mistake I see people make is that they have stale marketing. So they're trying to market the membership site the same way every single month. And the fact of the matter is that begins to become very boring and your marketing messages fall on deaf ears and they just don't have the impact that they once did. So you have to keep your marketing fresh. And you can do that a variety of different ways. You can market it through the new content that you're providing. You can have um, open enrollment periods and close it the rest of the time. There's a number of different ways that you can keep your marketing fresh and exciting. But uh, the key there is don't make the mistake of having stale marketing, trying to market the membership site the same way over and over again. So four mistakes. One, trying to be too perfect. Two, providing too much content. Three, focusing on new members instead of taking care of existing members. And four, stale marketing. Okay, so last question on membership site. And this has been great information. I've been writing down some, some notes for myself. Um, so I've heard from many of my entrepreneur friends who they love the idea of a membership site, but they've also heard stories of it taking too much work or they can't keep up with it without it running their lives. Um, what advice do you have about that? Yeah, I hear this all the time. You know, in fact, as soon as we're finished here, Jonathan, I'm going to be meeting with uh, New York Times bestselling author Jay Papasan, who co-wrote the book The One Thing with Gary Keller. And he and they, as an organization, uh, are very uh, interested in starting a new membership site. And when I initially spoke to him, because he reached out for consulting, the fear that he had was this very fear. I don't want to get stuck on a content treadmill. I don't, I don't want another job. I'm busy enough as it is, and so I like the idea of a membership site, but I don't want another job. And so the reality is you can make it as complex and as busy as you want, or you can make it as simple and as light as you want. So to give you some perspective, the vast majority of content that is produced from Michael Hyatt's Platform University is done over a six-day period. So in six days, we create the lion's share of content for the entire year. How are we able to do that? Well, there are two key lessons to take from this. Number one, we have specific content that we deliver each and every month, and we've categorized it. So there are really four main pieces of content that we deliver each month. Now, the reason we pick four is there's one main piece of content each week. So it's simple, it's straightforward, and it provides focus. So we simplify it down to four pieces of content each month, one per week. Then from each of those four pieces of content, we try as much as possible to create content that is batchable. So this is the big lesson, is that we create a ton of content in a short period of time because we batch create it ahead of time. So for example, Michael has one segment for his membership site that's called a master class. It's where he or somebody he interviews goes deep on a particular subject matter. And so what we do there is we batch create those master classes. So Michael recently spoke at Social Media Marketing World, and there we did a day of interviews, and we completed 12 interviews, a year's worth of content in a day and a half. So he got a ton of content created for the entire year, and now we just schedule it out. Another segment that we have is something called a backstage pass. 
It's a video segment showing the behind the scenes of an area of Michael's business. Those two are batch created ahead of time, allowing Michael to be able to create a ton of content over a short period of time. So we usually do three two-day video shoots a year, and in and during those video shoots, the lion's share of the content is created for the entire year. That is what allows us to be able to create a lot of content in a short period of time and prevents it from being a content treadmill where you you know, just um, are fearful or you uh, resent the process of creating content. It's now something that uh, you schedule, enjoy, and you're done with it once as soon as you've created it. So that's really the key is making sure that you have a content strategy and then making sure that whatever content you're creating, it's batchable so that you can create it in uh, ahead of time. That strategy, those are some great tips. So let's move to our last couple questions on productivity. Um, so I know you love to find ways to automate or systemize your business. Can you share some uh, tips or tools that you're using right now that you're especially excited about? Yeah, there's one process that, I, I mean, I love sharing this process because I'm sure everybody can relate. You know, I live about uh, an hour, or sorry, 35 minutes from the Toronto airport and about an hour and a half from the Buffalo airport. Buffalo is like my local U.S. airport, I guess you could say. And so, I, it, just depending on where I'm going, I'll, I'll fly out at either location. But on this one particular trip, I was going to the Buffalo airport. So I've got an hour and a half drive and I'm and along the way, I'm listening to great podcasts like your own, and, and uh, I'm driving along, and inevitably, I always have ideas. And I don't know if anybody else who is listening can relate to this, but when you're driving and you've got ideas, you're really in a pickle because how do you capture those ideas? Well, the way I was doing it was I was using like an audio recorder on my phone. So you know I can't text because that would be too dangerous. So I would just like press a button, and I would record you know, whatever idea I had. But inevitably, I'd get to the airport, and I've got all these audio files, and they just sit on my phone, and I don't end up doing anything with them. And so, therefore, they become useless. So I remember that particular day, I get to the Buffalo airport, and I'm like, I've got to solve this. There's got to be a way for me to be able to record my ideas like that in the car so it's safe, but yet be able to get them in a format that I'm going to be able to use uh, down the road. And so I was determined to figure this out, and here's my process for doing it. There's a great app called Dropbox, V-O-X, so Dropbox, and it has one button, and that button is record. <laughs> so you literally press that button, and you record your audio file. As soon as you let go of the record button, it takes that file, and it uploads it to your Dropbox account. Now, Dropbox is a great service for you know sharing files, and um, you know it's almost like a backup service, and so it automatically uploads the audio file to a Dropbox folder. Then I use a service called Zapier. Now, Zapier, if anybody is not familiar with it, it's kind of like a service that connects a whole bunch of other services together. And so what Zapier does is it recognizes, hey, Stu just uploaded a new audio file to Dropbox. I'm going to grab that file, and I'm going to send it to Rev.com. And Rev.com is a transcription service. So Rev gets this new file, and they automatically transcribe it. And then Zapier recognizes, hey, Rev's got a new transcription file that's ready uh, and complete. 
And so it takes that file and then it adds it to my Evernote account. So the process now is I press one button on Dropbox, I record. As soon as I release that button and finish my recording, the audio file gets uploaded to Dropbox. Zapier takes that file, sends it to rev.com, so it gets transcribed. Then once Rev is done with it, Zapier then takes that transcription and adds it to my Evernote account. So when I'm done, I've got the audio file uploaded to Dropbox, and I've got the transcription uh, added to my Evernote account. Now it's in a format I can begin using, and now it is a great way for me to be able to quickly search and find all those ideas that I'm capturing when I'm listening to different um, materials in the car or wherever. So I just love that process because it solved the big problem for me, and that was being able to get um, those ideas from my head or from those recordings into a format that I actually use, which would be in Evernote. And I think that's a, it's a great process that you just laid out for people to, uh, you know, whether it's collecting blog post ideas or business ideas or ideas in general. So thanks for walking through that. Um, so I, I know as an entrepreneur, your days never look the same. There's always new things that uh, crop up and things that, uh, you know, your days vary from day to day. But can you share some insights on, on how you structure your ideal day, um, if there is such a thing, so that, so that you end up doing what matters most? So can you share some tips on what, if you had the opportunity, your schedule's clear, you have the opportunity to structure your day, what your day might look like? Well, I think you touched on a, um, a very important point in that question, and the first and key thing that I recommend everybody do is identify what matters most. You know, once you become keenly aware of what matters most to you, then you can begin structuring your day around those things. So for me, priority number one is family. So my family is, you know, critically important to me. It's important that I'm there and available to them and my kids and so forth. So that for me is a huge priority and I structure my day around um, my family. And then for me, another you know, important piece uh, is friendships and relationships. And a third important piece for me is the charity my wife and I have and being able to give back. So knowing what my big rocks are or the, or the things that matter most to me, I schedule them way out in advance. So for example, I would take a calendar year. My wife and I do this um, every January 1st. We go and we uh, get a hotel room and we plan out our year and one of the first things that we do is we look at, okay, what are the big things that we want to schedule right now? So those could be like family trips. Those could be like um, get-togethers with friends. Those could be definitely our charity trips. And we schedule those out in advance. And then we plan everything around those things. So from a big meta uh, uh, perspective, we, we plan the big rocks first, plan the things that matter most first. Then from like a day-to-day -day operation, here's basically how that kind of plays out. So my mornings for me are dedicated to my family. So I'm usually the one that's up with the kids in the morning. So for example, this morning, my, uh, my little son, he was up at five. And so I was you know, with him, spending time with him. We snuggled, we ended up falling back asleep. And then next thing I know, my daughter's up at 6.30. So now all of us, uh, me and the two kids are up. And I usually, I'm the breakfast guy. So I'm spending time with them, eating breakfast, getting them ready for the day, and then I take my daughter to school. 
So when I come back from taking my daughter to school, it's usually like around nine o'clock, but the mornings are dedicated to my kids and the family. So from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., that's my time. So that's kind of when I fill my own bucket. That's when I run. That's when I read. Uh, that's when I feed my creative juices. And that could be as simple as just surfing the internet, Jonathan. You know, um, I used to feel guilty about that, but what I realized was that when I'm surfing the internet, I, I love just learning and exploring and finding new ideas. I'm like, a, I, I collect ideas. You know, I, I'm an idea collector, but that's what, that's what fuels my, my output. If I'm not providing uh, myself lots of nutrients in terms of input, I'm not going to be able to produce. And so I give myself time to do that. Usually, that's usually between 9 and 11 a.m. And then from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., that's when I'm working. That's when I'm uh, writing uh, emails. That's when I'm doing any creative production like videos or anything of that nature. Uh, that's when I am writing website copy or uh, anything of that nature. That, but basically, that's my, my work time. Um, and then after 4 p.m., my days end. So it's a pretty hard stop because my daughter usually comes knocking on the door. And from that point forward, it's just time with the family. Now, of course, there are going to be occasions when you know work is going to get heavy or we could be a promotion and I may extend that. But for the most part, that's my hard stop is, is 4 p.m. And the other thing that I do as far as my week is I also batch all any and all meetings and interviews. Those are always reserved for Thursday and Friday, and it's usually a Thursday and Friday afternoon. So if somebody's looking to you know do an interview or schedule a meeting, those are almost always scheduled in the afternoons, and it's almost always on a Thursday or Friday. So that's typically how I kind of organize my day. But the key thing here is just get very clear on what does matter most to you, and then schedule your schedule around those things. So for me, it's my family, as I mentioned. And so they have my mornings, and then they also have my late afternoon and early evenings. Um, and we spend all that time together. And then weekends are totally dedicated to the family. So um, I think that's the, the most important piece is just get clear on what matters most and then schedule around it. Yeah, and that that is an important point that you made because I know for me, it was like once I got to this place where I was doing um, – doing this thing full-time, which for me is blogging, uh, I kind of, after about six months into it, being home, working from home, I sort of got to this place where I was like, you know, I had this conversation with my wife of, I feel like my work's starting to, to trap me a little bit. I love it, but I feel like what I wanted was freedom to spend time with my family and do things. And so I intentionally had to restructure my day. One of the things was when my kids come home from school, I just... I just shut down, stop working, and spend time with them. And then if I want to slip back and do a little bit more before dinner, then I will. But that's been a refreshing thing. And then obviously during the summer, I, I work hard when the kids are out of school to to take time off. Uh, we've got a couple different vacations planned. Um, so I, I feel so much better because time in your work doesn't always equal productivity. And I think that's where I had to finally get to that place of just because I'm sitting in my home office from 8 to 5 p.m. And by the way, who said I had to sit in my chair until 5 p.m.? Right. Um, but at, at the same time, that doesn't mean that I'm going to be more productive than if I get super focused for 
three or four hours and then take the afternoon off to spend with the family. Have you kind of felt that way at times too? Yeah, you know, speaking of uh, being productive, one of the things that I found is when I have a hard deadline, I am more productive because there's nothing that gets you moving than a hard deadline. You know, it's it's the same reason why when you do go on a vacation, the day before you go on vacation, you get the most done because, you know, at that point you're like, oh my goodness, I got to get all these things done before we, we leave on vacation. Then you're so productive on that day before. Well, just apply that same principle on a daily basis. Have a hard deadline where you know that at a certain point, your work just completely ends. Like you said, when the kids come home from school, that's a perfect uh, time and way to be able to do it. Another thing that I do to help you know, keep that deadline hard is I schedule daddy-daughter dates. So you know, every Friday, um, my daughter and I, we have a daddy-daughter date. She gets to decide on kind of where we go and what we do. And you know, we go fly a kite. We'll go uh, to the art gallery. We'll go dig a hole. You know, <laughs> a couple a couple weeks ago, all she wanted to do was go dig a hole in the dirt. I was like, okay, cool. We'll go do that. But whatever it is, um, there's a hard deadline. And so what happens is leading up to that deadline, golly, man, you get in like super productive mode. You get a ton of stuff done because you know that the little one's going to be knocking or somebody is going to be calling for you. So I think if anything, you're absolutely right, Jonathan. You just got to be intentional about it. And you've got to put the effort into scheduling the, the time around and put things in place that force you to, to get and be productive. Awesome. Well, this has been great, Stu. I appreciate you taking some time to invest in our community. And I know that they I'm getting plenty of nuggets. I know I have. So I really appreciate that. For those that are listening and maybe they are new to you or they just want to find out more about you, where can they connect with you? The best place is my website, which is stu.me. So S-T-U dot me. And from there, you'll be able to find out more um, about what I'm doing and what I'm involved with and all that kind of stuff. But that's definitely the best place. Have all that in the show notes and we'll be sure to get that um, in there so you guys can go check out what Stu's up to. So again, Stu, thanks again for being here. No problem. Thank you, Jonathan. Take care.